Hello, friends. Good to see you again. Been looking forward to it since the last time I was here. Uh, I've really grown fond of this place, and so many of you that I've had an opportunity to talk to a little bit, and you've allowed me to tell my story. That's been very special. There is so much to tell. So much has changed in my life. It's been an incredible ride. It's been an incredible time with Jesus. So much has changed for me. I'm not the man I used to be. I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Maybe I am the man I used to be, but it's different now because of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit has done in me and what I see and I feel that I didn't understand before, how precious the Holy Spirit is, how we can take for granted so much the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit can, we can believe in our hearts about the Holy Spirit, but are we listening to the Holy Spirit? I guess the difference with me is I had heard of the Holy Spirit before, but now it's different. When God poured out the Holy Spirit, He gave us something in the body of Christ that we should never take for granted. His presence. The very presence of God. And the ability to witness, the call, the boldness, the ability to live the Christian life. I mean, without the Holy Spirit, well, you, you probably know what we were like without the Holy Spirit. But he gave us something very special. He gave us guidance and discernment. You know, those, it was an incredible three years with Jesus, and I've told you about a lot of those things that happened and a lot of the stories of Jesus' teaching and how for three years he spent with us, teaching us and helping us to see and understand things, but yet we, we were very slow to understand, me especially. And, and then all of a sudden, in 53 days, so much changed. Three years with Jesus, and then 53 days changed. I began to tell you a few weeks ago about the first two changes, and I t- 53 days. Can you imagine all that happened in 53 days? I think 53 days. Wow, that's not a lot of time. 53 days ago. That was Nancy Miller's birthday. Fifty days ago, Pentecost. I mean, I'm sorry, fifty days ago, the resurrection of Jesus. Fifty days ago. And now fifty days later on Pentecost. Fifty days from now. You know what happens fifty days from now? It's Christmas. Fifty days. Oh, a lot can change in fifty days. A lot can change in eight days. It's amazing what changed in my life. And when you're talking about change, let me tell you. What changed? There was a seismic shift in how we understood God on the day of Pentecost. Oh, it was a big change. I mean, it changed everything. We all of a sudden understood things that we never understood before. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came. When the Holy Spirit came, he changed everything. It was amazing what the Holy Spirit did for us. Well... 
I said three big events took place, and I described the first one a few, oh, a month ago or so when I talked about the cross and what it was like when Jesus went to the cross, how devastated we were, how much we were confused, and we did not understand at all why. Why did this good man have to die? I mean, he had told us he was going to die, but that just never, that went one ear out the other. We never understood the meaning of, of the cross at the time. We didn't even understand Jesus was going to the cross, although he had told us he would be. But you know how devastated we were, the spiritual darkness that gripped us and, and how difficult the those two days and two nights were after Jesus died, I mean, there was no hope anywhere for any of us, especially me. I was at the bottom of the bottom. And then, on the third morning, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, it was confusing. We wanted to believe, we hoped that something would like this is possible, and the women had gone to the tomb, and, and then Cleopas and, and his friend were telling us this amazing story of walking with this man and how this man revealed himself to be Jesus and explained all the, the prophecies and, and we had hopes. Could it be? Oh, it's not possible. And then that, that evening, late that day, what happened? We were in the room in Jerusalem together and Jesus appeared, white, dressed in a white robe. He appeared to us and all of a sudden, we began to start to understand some of the things about Jesus. Go on to that next slide, would you please? And uh, we had gone through this, this time of shock, and the shock continued when, when Jesus appeared to us. And then we began to understand that, that there was more to it. We didn't know what. We didn't know exactly what he was saying to us or what he wanted to do, but there was more to this. And we were... Like, well, what else could happen that's not happened already? I mean, is there any more to the story? I mean, are we kind of coming to the end of the drama, coming to the end of what we need to understand about God? I mean, I did feel, although I didn't get a lot of time to think about it, but I thought for a while, okay, uh, the cross, the resurrection, okay, it's about over, you know? Whew, what a ride. So if we heard all we need to about God, is there any more that God wants to say to us? I mean, I had that question. I wondered here with, with, uh, with John and James and, and uh, Andrew and the other apostles, I thought, well, we're about done. Is, is there anything else God's going to say to us? In fact, does God have anything to say about the future now? I mean, is it over? You got the cross, you got the resurrection. Does that mean that it's completely over? And of course, we wondered that. Now, for 40 days, Jesus was with us after the resurrection. And boy, he just, how would I describe him? Teach, teach, teach. That's what Jesus did for 40 days. He was teaching us all the things about the Old Testament. He would get with groups and individuals, and he would teach us about what the Scripture said about the Messiah. And then it all started to, to click in here all started to click in our minds of what it was that Jesus wanted to teach us. Oh, it started to come together, but still we kind of had that thought and that question, well, what's next? Is there really anything that God's going to do next? He's already done everything he's going to do. But you know, Jesus, you know, I talked to you before about Jesus and me and how Jesus had this way of, of confronting me. 
And he did it over and over and over again because he understood who I was. And I found out that if I would listen to him and respond to him, that he could change things on the inside of who I was. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it wasn't long after the resurrection of Jesus that all the disciples had gone up to Galilee and we were fishing. I had really not talked to Jesus about it. I had not really talked to Jesus about the denial. You know what I'm talking about. We had never, never said anything to me about it. He never did, actually. But we were up there and we were fishing. Jesus came to me and he said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, like always, I reacted real quickly. Yes, Jesus, I love you. He's confronting me. He said a second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, of course I love you. You know that. Peter, do you really love me? I reacted the third time. Yes, Lord, you know I love you, you know. In the back of my mind was this thing going on. I think in the back of Jesus' mind there was this thing going on. Do you really love me? It all came down to one thing. Jesus said three words. Feed my sheep. I should have known then. And I would come to understand how important those three words were for me and that Jesus had a, a calling for me. In fact, it was a calling for all of us who had walked with him. He would explain it later and he would talk about going into all the world as his witnesses. In fact, it wasn't just Peter. It wasn't just Andrew and James and John, but it was for every believer who would call themselves a disciple of Christ. That was the commission. That was what they're called to do. And over and over again, that would be reinforced in those 40 days Jesus talked about that. And he told us. Now, we didn't understand what was going to happen next, but we knew that he kept saying, I have a job for you. I have a responsibility for you. And that calling is for the whole church. It's for every single person who would call themselves a follower of Jesus. Not just certain people or not just people from a certain area or uh, financial class or education or experience. Every single believer is given this commission by Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. doesn't matter whether you're a professional or anything or not. doesn't matter your education level. What it matters is the calling is yours if you're a believer. That was deeply implanted in my heart. Every single person. Now God called me to a specific mission. Inside the mission, if you would. I mean, you know me. God, he did choose me. He chose me to preach the gospel, and I did. I have, and I will. God called me to do that. He's called every single person to be a part of that mission, that part of that calling that's very important and 
very special. And so I have lived my life trying to do that, after that, to be that witness that God called me to do. Well, so I thought we had it all figured out. There was God, and Jesus had said, okay, you're going to be my witnesses. And we thought, well, what's next? Okay, Jesus, you take us out and show us what to do, and we'll do it. And you know what happened? Jesus absolutely suddenly on the 50th day after the resurrection. You know what happened to Jesus? He disappeared. He left. I mean, we didn't see this one coming either. I mean, it was so sudden. It was a shock. It was like amazing how all of a sudden Jesus absolutely was gone. I see you looking up. That's what happened. We were outside of Jerusalem. We're on the Mount of Olives. Jesus was telling us about what he wanted us to do. In fact, he said something to us, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem. Uh, wait on what? Wait on who? What, what? Okay, whatever. We'll wait. And then he was gone. You know what happened? We were all together on the Mount of Olives, and suddenly he just started lifting up. And this is an incredible miracle. And you know, by now, there's... No miracle that's not incredible that Jesus did. I mean, this is how it happened. He was standing there with us. We were all talking and listening to him. We thought, okay, another great day with Jesus. I wonder what he's going to tell us today. And all of a sudden, he started going up. And then he went all the way up in the clouds. And he went up in the clouds and we couldn't see him anymore. And we're, we're standing there dumbstruck. Two men in white robes all of a sudden appeared and said, what are you doing looking up into the heavens? What are you guys doing looking up there? You know what he said then? He said this. He said, the same Jesus who went up into heaven will someday come again. Wow. Could he do that? And then we remembered his words. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. Wow. So we went back down to Jerusalem, and we waited. Ended up being about 10 more days. We were in Jerusalem, and we were all together. And you imagine what we were thinking and feeling. Again, we were saying to each other, what, what, well, what's he doing now? What, God, what are you, uh, I mean, never a boring day with Jesus. But go and, and wait. So... What did we do? We all went to Jerusalem. And there was a lot of believers by then. You know, by then Jesus had talked to a lot of people and showed himself the, you know, the, the nail scars in his hands and people were coming to faith in who he was but not understanding what. So what did we do? We go to Jerusalem. We go back to the upper room and we're, the first thing we're doing is we're simply waiting. You know, sometimes waiting on God is important, but not just waiting and not paying attention. I mean, anybody can wait on anything, but if you really want to connect to God, your waiting has to be in anticipation that God wants to speak to you, that God has something more for you. You know, just say, well, I'm waiting, but I'm not going to pay any attention to it. That, you know, I, I don't know that God works that way, but I do know that he told us to go and wait in Jerusalem, and so we did. We were all together. We had gathered together, the apostles and other believers, there were a lot of believers together, and the women, and, and uh, the mother of Jesus, and 
Mary, and, and there were a lot of people that were together, and they, we, were, we were waiting together. But it wasn't just waiting. We were looking forward to something. We knew something was going to happen. In fact, Jesus told us to get ready for it. It was something very big that was going to happen, and we wondered, what exactly is that, and what's it going to be? And also, you know, you know about Judas. I mean, you know how Judas... Well, I had this idea. Maybe God wants us to pick another disciple, one that had been with us from the very beginning, and so we talked about it, and I suggested, well, let's pick one so we have an even, have an even 12, you know. That's what we need, and that was my idea, you know. Uh, so we, we talked about it, we prayed about it, and we came up with two people, and then we said, God, would you show us who you want? And so we cast the straws, and... Matthias was chosen. He became the 12th apostle. So we did that during that time. We waited. But I'll tell you what, every moment that we were waiting, we were in great anticipation. Great anticipation. What was God going to do? Jesus told us that something was going to happen. And he told us that somebody was coming. Now that somebody, we had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, gee, who do you mean somebody's coming? Another, somebody like you, your brother, uh, some great, uh, you know, some great preacher, some great leader. What do you mean somebody's coming? He would tell. He told us this more than once. In fact, my friend John wrote this down, and he talked about how Jesus promised that that he was going to send someone. In fact, he said not just that that. I'm sending someone, but he said, my father is going to send someone. And we were, huh, I wonder who that means. I, I mean, we just had no idea. So there we were in great anticipation of something that was going to happen. I tell you what, there was excitement in the room. It was, it was special, and we were praying earnestly. Oh, we were praying. Oh, we were praying. I mean, we had hearts that were hungry and seeking, saying, God, what do you want to do next? What do you want to do here? We just had no idea what it was. I mean, he told us, go into Jerusalem and wait, and, and, and the Father will send the Comforter. He called him the Comforter once. Called him the, the Holy Spirit once. I mean, uh, what's he talking about? Well, whatever, you know. Now, of course, he told us that before he ascended into heaven, so all this stuff got real confusing. And what exactly he was talking about, well, I want to tell you what happened. We were in Jerusalem. Praying together, anticipating, seeking, and all of a sudden, I'm going to tell you how it happened. First thing that happened is there was a violent wind. When I say violent wind, I usually don't think of the wind as violent. But I want to tell you about the day of Pentecost. There was this wind that began to blow suddenly through this house, through this room. I've never experienced a wind like this before. I'm not talking about just, you know, you hear the blowing of the wind. There was something big that was stirring up. We all began to hear it. It's something you could feel. I don't mean like it was cold. There was this stirring of something. And when I say wind, I know you think of a good storm that I do too, but I want to tell you that we're talking about something spiritual. I think you know what I mean by that. There was a stirring going on inside of us. And God was doing. All of a sudden, the wind 
started blowing. It started pouring into this, this room. There was a rumble. There was a shaking. The shaking, trying to explain what this was. There was this, like God was taking us, beginning to shake us. Now you remember God promised something. He said, I'm going to send someone. So as that began to happen, we were all looking at each other and, oh, we, we could feel something. Something big was coming. We didn't know what and why and how and all that, but the room was shaking. This wind was, was violent. And then... How to try to describe this as a pastor pretending to be Peter. Then the fire came down. Fire. Fire. I don't know if this is going to cooperate or not. I want you to think about fire for a little bit, would you? Just think about fire. Many of us love to watch a fire, you know, at the fire pit or... There's something about fire that's amazing to us. I don't know if this is going to go out. It might. It did, almost. I want you to think about the fire. What symbol could God use to get our attention and show us something better than fire? I don't know. But would you join me for a few minutes today and think about the fire? The fire. It came down suddenly. Unmistakably, this presence of something. I want you to know, and you know this already, we're not talking about natural phenomena here. We're talking about the presence of God in a way that has never, ever been seen before. First time. Important time. Teaching time. Don't forget about the fire. When that goes out, look at the candle. So this fire comes down, this collective flame. And then, all of a sudden, it began to divide. We've all experienced fire, but you've never experienced a fire like this. I've never experienced a fire like this. The presence of God comes down. And then, I mean, a flame, it it just reminded us. It looked like tongues. 
the description as the fire came down. Now, today I invite you to give yourself to think about this. The fire came down and then it began to divide into individuals. And it found its way to every single person in the room. There was no one, no one left out. No one. Came on me. Came on James. Came on Thomas. Came on Bartholomew. Came on Mary. Came on Magdalene. So many others I could name today. But one of the incredible things about this fire is every single person who was there received it. Us were more spiritual than others. We were united in the room and praying. We were hungry. We were anticipating. But I'll tell you, when that fire came down and it divided into tongues and it came down on us, can you imagine? Can you imagine how we all felt personally connected to God? It wasn't like God was just speaking to all the people, and he was. But God was speaking to me and every other person in the room. The Holy Spirit had come. We were reminded later of so many things about the Holy Spirit. Later on, much of the New Testament was written about the presence of the Holy Spirit and cooperating with the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and everything that is written in the New Testament tells us that God gives his Holy Spirit to every believer. Every believer has a tongue from the Holy Spirit. Every believer. Not just those that are in this group of apostles, Thank God he allowed those to have the tongue. But today in the 21st century, you understand the teaching of the New Testament is that every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer has a tongue. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit will dominate your life and force you to do anything. He will not do that but he is there present to speak to you and guide you if you open your heart to him and you listen to him and you respond to him. He can heal you. He can forgive you. He can cleanse you. He can change you. He can give you God's priorities. The Holy Spirit of God is absolutely amazing and powerful. And he is present in your life today if you are a believer. Look at this. Think about how that fire was spread. It's the best way that I can explain it. God's spirit. Different than the expression of Jesus. I mean, 
We were just trying to figure out who Jesus was. He was fully God and fully man and this thing called the incarnation and how God sent Jesus to come and how we're just wrestling with what that means. But then on Pentecost, then it's God coming again in a different way. It's easy for us to to get happy about Christmas and, well, we get happy for a lot of other reasons and probably the reason we should, but to really get excited about who God is at Christmas and sending Jesus and his son, but we should get as excited about Pentecost too because God in his fullness, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost, the fullness of God, everything about God. It's an amazing presence of God in our lives today. You say, well, what does the Holy Spirit mean today for me? Number one, it means God's presence in your life. God's presence in your life. God's presence that He will be there and He will help you and He will speak to you and He will guide you. He will be a voice inside of you if you are listening to Him, if you are responding to Him. We have the promise from God and now we have the presence of God. So today you wonder, where's God at? If you're a believer, I want you to know that God is right there inside of you. You might think, oh, I, don't, I don't know. That's the promise of God. That's not my promise. If you're a believer and you've turned to faith, God has promised that he's put his Holy Spirit in you. He won't force you to do anything, but he is there. And if you call him, if you speak to him. Also, the the, the presence of God on that day of Pentecost meant that God gave us tongues. You know, it's ironic that God came down and it looked like tongues that came on us and then Part of the miracle of Pentecost was God gave us the gift of tongues and we started speaking in languages we didn't know. In fact, 120 of us, all kinds of languages. Well, why did God do that? Well, very practical reason why God did that. There were people all over Jerusalem who didn't speak Hebrew. Many of them didn't speak Greek or Arabic. They were from other countries, other places. You remember, this is the Feast of Pentecost. Their Jews are all over the world. And they come, and not all of them know the language. And so we believe the reason that God did this is so that we could tell the story in the language that people would hear. And so that's what we did. We began to speak in tongues, and there were people from Parthia and Mede and and all over the place, Cappadocia, that were there in Jerusalem, and they heard us all talking in these languages that are crazy. I mean, I never knew that language, but I was talking and God was somehow translating it into the ear of the people that heard. And you know what happened as I began to tell the story that thousands of people heard the story and turned to Christ. Why? It wasn't because of my words. I can promise you that. It was the power of the language and the tongue that God gave at that time, at that place, for that reason. And it was incredible the number of people who came to faith in Jesus that very day. In fact, over 3,000 on that day heard the gospel and came to Christ. Amazing. The other things, and there were many things about that day of Pentecost that deeply went into our hearts. And one of that is the boldness. Boldness. Well, you know, I've never had any trouble speaking up. That's different than boldness. Maybe I should call it holy boldness. Oh, I could speak up before. In fact, I always had an opinion about everything, and I would express it, but this was different. This is a boldness to tell who Jesus is. I was unafraid. I was unafraid to talk about Jesus. I I didn't 
I was unafraid about dying anymore, being arrested by the Sanhedrin. That was, that was behind me, let me tell you. And God put something deep inside of me, his Holy Spirit that gave me a boldness to witness. And, and then I remembered, well, that's exactly what Jesus said he wanted for us. I mean, wasn't that ironic? Jesus had told us several times, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, you know, we kind of, well, we didn't want to do it publicly. We kind of rolled our eyes. Okay, that sounds good. And then when the Holy Spirit came, oh, he gave us the ability to do that, the, the power to do that, the boldness to do that, the desire to do that, the passion to do that. And that's what God wants for the church. It's no different today than it was then. What does God want from the church today? The same thing he called upon Peter and James and those 120 in the upper room going to all the world and preaching the gospel. And he has given us the, the gift, the Holy Spirit. Also, Peter, of course, had these Great miracles that God poured out on the early church. It wasn't just Peter. It was others too. But God gave the ability to do these great miracles. And through them, many people turned and believed in Jesus. And, and it was amazing how that happened and what happened there. I mean, here we are. Uh, here we go again, I should say. Well, one other thing that I want to tell you about Pentecost was the starting of something. It later got a name. In the beginning, we didn't quite call it this. But what happened is, on the day of Pentecost, God started the church. The ecclesia. Now you think, well, you mean he just started it fresh from scratch? and nothing? No, no. God actually had Ecclesia from Abraham on. I mean, remember God called Abraham and said, I want you, through you, I'm going to bless the world. And, and uh, there was a blessing of his descendants and the land and, and that prophecy that said, and through you, I will bless the Gentiles. On the day of Pentecost, there was the birth of something. Something that sometimes we do take for granted like we do the Holy Spirit. Honestly, that's what I think. I think that we today in the church, I don't mean this church or this denomination or this anything, but I mean in the body of Christ, I think we take for granted a couple things, maybe more than that, but the two on my mind today are this. We take for granted the importance of the Holy Spirit and we take for granted the importance of the church. We're so used to doing church a certain way. Sometimes we like it, sometimes we hate it. Sometimes we get all fired up, and it should be this way, it should be that way, and other times we feel pretty content, and we feel like, thank you, God, for the church. But I want to say to you today, God gave birth to something on the day of Pentecost, and we're living in that day. I know it was a long time ago. For you, it might seem, well, Peter might seem kind of old to you. But you know what? We are living in the day of the Holy Spirit. We are living in the day of the church right now. 
those early years of the church. Now they had their certain, we had our certain way to do things and we tried things and a lot of good things happened and some bad things happened. But you know, we live in the same day today. And so God called me and James and John and all the others to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What about the church today? What about you? If I can ask you personally, what about you? Where do you stand on the Holy Spirit? Where do you stand on listening? Where do you stand where I stood many times when he confronted me. Put his finger on my life. Where do you stand? Are you at that place in your life and you say, yes, God, yes, Holy Spirit. Oh, I'll let go of things that aren't very important. Quite frankly, God, I'll, I'll let go of the stuff that I hold on to. It keeps me from hungering and thirsting after you. Where do you stand on the Holy Spirit? Where do you stand on the church? Do you have a better idea than Jesus did? If you do, is it working? Is it working? That commission he gave, if you got a better idea, is it working? Or you kind of like, I am Pastor Wayne. I'm trying, but I get distracted so easily. Next Sunday, Lord willing, uh, I want to talk more about the commission uh, and what God calls me to do. What God calls you to do. Would you stand? Dear Heavenly Father, you've, you've heard our worship this morning. You've heard thoughts and you've heard my words. And God, I, I want to be about the things that you call me to be as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a pastor, as a friend. God, help me to know how to live it out. Help me to live in hunger of the Holy Spirit and cooperation of the Holy Spirit, God. Help me to have a deep desire within to honor God with my identity, my time, my influence. God, I pray, help me where I fail. Help me to have my eyes on Jesus. Help me to listen to your Holy Spirit, I pray. Speak to us from your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.